Hello, Mr. Laduper. No, it's Ladusur. Right. Okay. Um, you are applying for, let's see, the Peewee. No, actually, it's the Bantam AAA team. Okay. Yes, correct. Well, uh, you here's our interview committee. Uh, each of us will ask you two questions. And then... How many people are on this committee? Uh, there are seven of us. Well, we like to spread the wealth, so to speak. So all seven will be asking me questions? Yes, two questions each. And okay. uh, uh, I will start. And then uh, after we're all done, we'll have a couple of minutes for you to ask us something. Uh, now then, do you have your HP1? Because you need HP1 to coach this, this level Bantam AAA team. Yes, that's right. It's on the resume, by the way. Ah, uh, yes, there it is. So it is. Yes, must have missed that. All right. Please explain the progression you'd use to teach tight turns uh, with or without the puck. You actually, you want me to answer that or? Yes. Seriously. Uh, yes. And what progression would you use to teach tight turns in Bantam AAA? So how long do I have to answer this question? Oh, a few seconds, like 20 seconds, whatever, you know. Yeah, it, it'll take a lot longer to answer that question in a few seconds. Well, I'll need at least five or seven minutes. Oh, okay. Well, and why would that be? Because it's, it's a very technical skill. And, uh, you know, you, you can't just cover technical skills in a couple of seconds. It, it takes time to explain it properly. Okay, well, we, we won't have time to get into that, so we'll just assume that you sort of have a handle on that. Uh, I have a second question. Could you explain your philosophy of coaching? Um, you know what? I, I think, in all due respect, I, I want to withdraw my application. Well, why is that? Uh, I'd rather be with an association that really knows what they're looking for. Oh, I see. All right. Well, thank you, Mr. Laduker. Laduker. That is, sir. Got it. Yes. All right. Well, that, that's an interview that uh, would not go well. Would you say, Rick? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> my, guest, my guest on this podcast on Grassroots, the minor hockey show, is Rick Ledusser. He's been on the show a number of times before. Rick is a former junior coach and AAA coach and technical director for what was then the Ottawa District Hockey Association. It's now Hockey Eastern Ontario. He's coached university hockey. So he's been there, done that, and he's uh, been through some interviews on both sides of the table, not just in hockey, but in the job world as well. So he, he knows what constitutes good questioning and what the purpose of questioning is. There were a number of issues with that script, aside from the fact that I wrote it and I thought it was brilliant and you went off script a couple of times. So as the, <laughs> director, as the director of the show, I'm not so sure I would have kept you on the cast, but that's okay. There are a few problems with that, that opening. What, did, what jumped right out at you? Well, you know, I, I think the very first thing is you, you need to at least pronounce the person's name properly. Yes. Uh, it's very insulting when uh, you, you go into an interview and uh, they can't even get your name or at least ask for clarification on, on how do you pronounce your name? Because it, it is a different name, very much like Berkerson. I mean, oh, Berkerson. Yes, or percussion, as I know one percussion. person calls me all the time. All yeah. it really annoys me. Yes, mm. 
Uh, other things too, I mean, is knowing the team that you're applying for. I mean, I'm not applying for a peewee whatever team. I'm applying for the Bantam AAA team, which is usually one of your flagship teams. Um, so I, I think you need to know. Uh, I think you need to know that. And the, the other thing is, is asking questions that are very pertinent to the age level. Asking me a tight turn at a Bantam level is really quite insulting. Well, in fact, it's insulting to, to the applicant or it's insulting to the members of the board who may be sitting on there, like the, the committee sitting there. Why is he asking how each tight turns to a bunch of 14-year-old AAA kids? Well, I, I would think it's insulting to the, to the coach uh, or the applicant because, again, um, if you're applying for a Bantam AAA team, you, you would think that that person has a pretty good handle based on the resume. I mean, the resume speaks for itself. And, and as you know, mine is quite um, detailed. And I, I think uh, you ask questions that are more relative to the age category and the division and the competitive division that you're, that you're applying for. Now, there is a way to answer that question. That would require, as you said, probably five or six minutes of explanation, you know, uh, so as not to insult the intelligence of the questioner, I guess, or the people on the committee, you could always say, well, here's how I would answer that. These kids already have that base skill probably in their, in their arsenal, but the application of it to angling breakouts, that's where I could see myself correcting a little bit from time to time but not the skill in its purest form. True, true. Uh, but, you know, your question was, how would I teach it? And asking me to do it in a couple of seconds um, is not realistic, no matter what, what you're trying to accomplish or, or the skill in itself uh, is. And what the application is, uh, of course, for, for that particular question, as it applies, as you, may, as you mentioned, for the particular division, and the competitive level of, of the team that you're applying for. But even if it was a coach applying for a lower level, like a U11, like nine-year-olds and 10-year-olds team, mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter what competitive level, even if you were applying for that, asking you that question and expecting you to answer it in less than a minute is impossible if you it know how impossible. to do it, if you know how to do it properly. Correct. And, and I would suspect anybody who would answer that that particular question in seconds is probably not a good candidate for, for the team that they're applying for. The, uh, the whole idea of the resume uh, irks me. I mean, uh, it was obviously uh, hyperbole when I, you know, wrote the little script here. Did I mention that you went off script a couple of times? Yes, you did. Yeah, I did. Yes. Okay. Um, that uh, the, the, the whole idea of handing in a resume, it has to have a purpose. So the person who's sending in a resume should shape it to who they're applying for. If you've only coached nine and 10 year olds, and now you're applying for 14 year olds, you're going to have to make your approach to coaching awfully good to bypass the issue of you have no experience beyond coaching 10 year olds. True. And I would think that if anybody's done their homework with, uh, with looking at the, uh, the resume, um, you know, would probably pick that up very quickly and say, you know, uh, the majority of your experience is, you know, uh, Adam or, or maybe minor peewee. And uh, um, of course, so what 
why do you think you're ready to coach a Bantam AAA uh, competitive level um, with your experience being somewhat limited? Um, and a question that would uh, that would immediately come to my mind if I was on the interview panel would be, would you consider maybe being an assistant to gain some more experience if you want to coach at that level down the road? The fact that the person asking the question in that little scenario we just did hadn't really looked at the resume, except to perhaps glance at it and not know that, yes, this particular applicant has his high performance. He obviously knows he needs it. And to have not known that, that, that immediately puts the, it, it puts the applicant on his heels. Would you not, would you not agree? Well, once again, I think that anybody who is up to date with the regulations and the uh, and the qualifications that's needed to apply for a BAM AAA, and you don't happen to have that particular um, HP1, is saying a lot to me. I mean, why would you even bother put your put your resume in if you're you're don't have the proper credentials? So I, I think I think that's a point that should be noted. And, and here's here's another point too that why would you even ask that individual to come to that particular uh, interview when you don't have the the proper uh, accreditation? Um, you know, I think it should have been said early in the game, even when the phone call happened or the email saying, unfortunately, due to your uh, you're not having certain accreditation. Uh, I think you'd be better suited as a coach for an under 10 team or whatever the case may be. Um, or have you considered, uh, we're also interviewing for assistant coaches, would you consider that because of the, the accreditation issue? So um, why would you even bring somebody in? Why, why would you, you know, waste their time, which is what uh, minor hockey executive people often do is they waste people's time. And uh, uh, more to the point as well that, you know, why not look at a person's resume and say this person, I mean, based on the interview is a really good fit for the program that we have and what we're looking for um, and really zero in on those questions and give that person the team. Why do we have to go through this facade of having, you know, four or five, six, seven people, which I've been there and I've done that, where you know it's a foregone conclusion that that person is going to get the job. Uh, why, you know, like, because I know we both have been there where you think, you know what, I've got a pretty good shot at that team, but they already know who they want. So, why are you wasting my time? Why are you getting my hopes up to coach that team? And you already know who you're going to give it to. I mean, really, like, why, why do that to people? And, and I think uh, it's left a sour taste in my mouth when people, when, when associations do that. I mean, uh, and I'm sure you agree that it just, it just wastes your time. So why don't you interview me for what you truly want me to coach and and say you know what the midget triple a team is not available but we have a band triple a team would you consider doing that you bring up yeah you bring you bring up um something about the the coaching interviews in minor hockey period and you have to ask yourself especially since the vast majority of positions at the competitive levels anyway are done internally 
They really are. You know, you've mm -hmm. got coaches who have been in your association for three, four, five, six years, or they were out, they're coming back. You know, a, a former player decides to come back, wants to coach the peewee team. They're, they're, you know, they've, they've been in the organization. Why bother interviewing other people when you've, first of all, you've already got your eyes set on, you know, Joe, Bill, or Frank. Yeah. Uh, or, and rightfully so, by the way. You know what? I think if, if you've done a very good job within the organization and you're happy with that person, why even interview that person? Why not just say, hey, um, you've done a great job at the Midtra AAA. We don't see any other candidates that you know meet the criteria. Therefore, we're not even going to bother interviewing you. We're just going to give you that team. Mm -hmm. And really, that saves a lot of time. And you can concentrate on people that... Uh, either are new to your organization or you're looking at people that you might want to give them an opportunity, uh, perhaps at a, at a higher level. Um, you know, this happens in job interviews all the time. You mentioned that at the top of the show where um, there's internal candidates and yet, you know, they keep, they, they, they bring for whatever the reason, I, I guess it's for show. Well, familiarity, isn't it? Pardon me? It's familiarity, isn't it? You know what you're getting. True, but but why in a job interview, why interview people? And I've been in that situation where, you know, you've traveled, you know, thousands of miles to on a plane and, and you know, yes, they pick up the cost and they pick up the you know, cost for their motel and et cetera, but they already know who they want for the job. So like, why would you once again, get your, the person's hopes up um, just to give the, the impression that you're being fair. Um, um, but, but yeah. And, and the same thing happens in the coaching world for sure. You know, when the, let's go back to the formation that associations use to select their coaches uh, and, you know, when I had this conversation almost exactly a year ago with Greg Kennedy on one of the first shows on the, on the podcast about the coach selection process, that it's the most important thing we do in, in minor hockey. You know, if, if you don't have the right coaches and train the right way, then you're pretty much up the creek. So we're taking that a step further uh, by talking about, you know, the interview process, which means, you know, you're putting out an application form on your website or through emails or however you're doing it. You're naming the teams that are looking for coaches. Have you looked at the openings that you think may be there and know that you have incumbents coming in? So why bother even listing it? How Correct. many people should be here, yeah, as you just said? Well, yeah, and there's, there's the other issue that uh, executive members feel a need, even though it's out of their scope of, of uh, expertise of expertise that they need to sit on these these interviews and and primarily um, it's because they have a vested interest they you know and they want to make sure that their particular team and I, and I know you've been on many interviews like I where you can tell the people around the room that have little or no interest in that particular team, that you're applying for um, because they're just there to make sure that they get their person for the, the team that they believe their son or their daughter is going to be on. That happens all the time. But an interesting story 
that when I was coaching junior, um, which one? <laughs> How many? Well, <laughs> one that you'd be pretty familiar with, which was the oh. Lost Rangers. All right. And the president at the time um, wanted me to use my influence on getting the person to coach his Bantam's team son. And um, even to the point of blackmail, um, is, you know, it, it put me in a very, very awkward situation. It also um, skewed the opinion of the player that was in question and the president of that particular organization, which was in Gloucester. Um, they've, they have never forgiven me because they believe that I purposely didn't um, draft their son or protect their son but for all the wrong reasons, I was trying to protect him. I was trying to say, you know what, we're, we're not going to put this poor individual uh, who had a pretty good career in the NHL. Um, why are we going to subject this person? And um, it, it still um, is a very negative part of, of uh, my, my coaching experience putting me in that position. So the, you know, position of, of not only um, feeling threatened for my job, which actually I lost it very early in the game, September 11th to be exact, which we all know what happened on that particular day. Mm -hmm. And um, the fact that um, this president of this particular organization, I had a very, very good relationship with, with her, but they didn't know what the underlining um, circumstances were for, for uh, so. I had forgotten that story, Rick. And I remember saying to you or whoever else was around me at the time, 9-11, the world has exploded. Mm -hmm. It was on 9-11 on that day in 2001. Mm -hmm. And you were dumped from that hockey team. And I went, what kind of a person does that? You couldn't have waited a week? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. And it still resonates with. Anyway, okay, let's get back to, to the coach interviews in minor hockey. Uh, junior is a somewhat different world, but it, people still have their vested interests, don't they? I mean, regardless mm. of what we may think. What would you say would be a really good number of people to sit on a coach interview slash selection committee? Well, first of or, all, or wait a second before you answer it, Rick, mm -hmm. should they be the same? So if you have a, an interview committee, should the people selecting the coach all be the same as the ones on the committee? Well, I would say yes, because again, uh, you, you need to know what the talent pool is, uh, is, is offering and also what the standards are going to be. But I think the most important person is the coaching mentor or technical director of that particular organization needs to be on that committee. That's the number one person. After that, I think it should be people who, it doesn't necessarily even have to be the president. It doesn't mean make them knowledgeable about the game because they happen to be the president or they got elected. But I think you need the next two two people, maybe three uh, tops, four people on, on an interview panel um, that have an understanding of, of coaching and, uh, you know, they're coaching basing, at that level that you're asking somebody to apply for. Uh, yes. Yes. I, I'm not going to say no, but 
I, again, I think there should be some level of consistency um, with with the selection because I think you need a base. And obviously it starts with the technical director or the coaching person, whoever that, that person mm -hmm. is. Um, I think it starts with him or her. So you have three or four people in our little scenario that we started with, the, the skit. Uh, there, I mentioned that there were, uh, as the head interviewer, that there were seven people. And Way too many. Yeah, Way almost too. gagged at that. <laughs> and each person was asking two questions. And then we'd have a few seconds at the end for you to ask. I mean, the whole process would just be weighed down. It's mm -hmm. completely inefficient. And it's because everybody wants to get their two cents in. So if you have a committee of three or four people, should every person on that committee be responsible for one or two questions or should all the questions come from one person or how would you do it? I'm, I'm a firm believer that, um, that one person should be in charge of the interview and asking the questions and the others who, um, who are there to support should be taking copious notes as the interview is going along. And um, because I, I think not everybody has the expertise in interviews, whether it be for coaching or for work, um, to concentrate on the person. And, and, you know, the interview is not just about answering the questions about body language. It's, it's, you know, there's so much more to those, to those questions, especially those tricky questions. You know, was the person comfortable answering it? Was the person not comfortable? What kind of body language did they give you? What did they exactly say? So if you're trying to ask, oh, Mike, I've got the next question that's coming up. Well, you're not necessarily listening. And I'm not saying everybody, but I'm saying a lot of people are not necessarily listening to what that person is saying with the previous question. They're, they're sort of getting ready for their own. And um, I like the idea of one person controlling the interview. That's my preference. And, and even as a matter of fact, even when I've conducted interviews, um, that's the direction that I've always gone in. You know, I, I like to ask the questions because the, the other thing is you might um, elaborate on the question. Uh, you, might, you, you might do more follow-up because, you know, again, if you're experienced at what you're doing and they're not exactly answering the question, you know, it's easier to get them back on track. A person who doesn't have that experience um, sometimes can influence and especially if they're not a fan of that particular person or coach or, you know, um, they can influence how and how the whole interview sort of unfolds. Well, if you're going around a table of three people or four people and each person is taking, you know, one or two questions, then you lose the consistency and approach. Uh, at least if it's one person doing it, um, that person can, as you say, has a follow-up question but it's the same approach, the same tone. I know that when I've been on the side of the table interviewing coaches mm -hmm. uh, and it, it, it's only been on a couple of occasions where it's been me asking all the questions and most other situations it's been sort of around the horn, which has never really been good. But the, the question I always ask myself before starting the interviews is what do I want to learn about this person from a 30 or 45 minute interview, because remember they're minor hockey coaches. They're not experienced at this kind of thing for the most part, you know, unless it's, you know, a senior triple a type thing on the boy's side or a senior double a thing on the girl's side. 
who have been with a number of teams and they know what it's about. Some people are lousy at interviews, but great coaches. Mm-hmm. Some of them are fantastic wordsmiths in, in interviews and they get out with a team and then they're just an unmitigated disaster. Well, yes, of course. And, and this is why I believe that when, uh, before the person even enters a room, you know, there should be a, a discussion with the interview people saying, okay, let's look at his resume or her resume, you know, uh, as the coaching technical director, whatever the position is. So let's say it's Richard Ferguson. Listen, uh, this coach has come a long way. He's done the following to improve himself. And, you know, you, you know, you're, you're giving a little bit of background. I mean, how many interviews uh, and very much like the one that we started with, with our little skit where, you know, the, nobody knows anything about this person coming in. And um, it's really an unfair advantage because if, you, if, if the person not well necessarily well-known um, or maybe there's been, as we all know with coaches, uh, some outside influences. So the person's already labeled before the interview has even started. And I've had that happen to me uh, where it was already a foregone conclusion. They weren't going to give me the team. Like I, it was easy to, to see it. So I think um, having a little bit of a, of a pre-interview um, discussion about the person and um, with, with person who knows best, which usually the coaching or the technical director is probably the way to go. But here's the other thing uh, is to do the follow-up right away. I mean, you know, the, uh, how many times have we seen and they've started at four o'clock in the afternoon, you know, they, it's a, it's a very um, uh, mentally and physically, it's very draining to do interviews and they don't have a discussion either that night. And if they do, they're having it towards the end. So, um, right. It has to be, it has to be immediately after the interview. Yes. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. And people have to do their homework. I mean, whether you have two people on a committee or four, however you work it, you get resumes, you get applications and even the application form has to be worded. I think in such a way as to draw out some information about that coach that you wouldn't necessarily get on a resume. Hmm. So let's, let's say for, and let's take a a hypothetical situation here, Rick, where, you know, in, in your case alone, highly qualified experienced coach, almost invariably in the last 30 years with older players. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Except for hockey schools and all elite Bantam, triple A, midget, triple A, junior, et cetera. So all of a sudden, tomorrow, you decide, I'm going to apply for this uh, rep team, competitive level team, tier two, tier three competitive team that are nine and 10 years old, okay? Now, I know this is a little bit challenging for you to to kind of step back and look at yourself and go, what would I ask me looking at a resume that is knee deep in, in successes at a much higher level? What would I ask a Rick Ladusser not Laduker. What would I ask a Rick Ladusser about why he wants to coach this tier two competitive team of nine and 10 year old boys? Why would we even consider giving that to you? That would be a challenging question or a challenging approach, would it not? Yes. I, I, I would think it would probably have to be 
something to the effect that, uh, you know, it's my neighbor's kid and, you know, we're sure. friends and I, 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 you know, want to help them out, you know, that kind of thing. Your grandchild. Yeah. You know, um, mm. that's tr- <laughs> but, um, which, you know, I'm not a fan of, I, I don't mm. really believe that parents should be coaching their own children, especially at, at a higher level. Um, I swore I would never coach my son, but I ended up getting involved on a couple of occasions. Um, but, uh, and it, it worked out really well, I must say, but it, as we all know. Um, it, but that it, was your experience talking there, Rick. Yes. I've, yeah. I've had that conversation with, with all our friends, you know, with Greg Kennedy and Ron Graham and Dean Holden and all these guys who have been coaching for 30, 40 years at high levels and are more equipped than any average person to deal with the, with the vagaries of coaching your own kids mm-hmm. or your neighbor's child. And most people would have difficulty with it. Oh yeah. We might have difficulty with it, but we'd be able to deal with it perhaps a little bit better than, than most. Well, I, th- I think you're right. I mean, in terms of experience, one of the things, if you were to talk to my son, Jordan, um, we never talked about hockey um, before or after. During, yes, but never before or after. And, and in fact, uh, I'm sure uh, Jeffrey was the same way. Well, Dad, would you think of my game tonight? Did not talk about uh, it. No, no, no. But he, he, my, I know Jordan would ask me every, every now and then, you know, would you think of my game tonight? And I was always honest. Um, but I, I, it went unsolicited. Let's put it that way. Yes. I, I, I was very, very careful. Um, and, and, um, you know, not to, um, take any of this home. And, uh, so, but anyway, we digress a little bit, but I just wanted to mention that, um, to your point, um, yeah, there, there probably would be an underlining reason why someone with experience that would want to, you know, coach a, a, something that is a little bit out of their, the usual in terms of what they would be coaching during a, a regular season. But yeah. um, I, I also wanted to, to mention about um, uh, the types of questions. Um, and I'm sure you were going to get to that. Uh, I was just before, can you hold on to that thought for just yeah, a moment? Sure. Okay. What is the role of the resume that an applicant sends in? What's its purpose? Or should they be sending one in? Oh, I think, I, yes, I believe they should be. Um, but I, I, I think really the, um, the purpose of that resume should be able to identify the accreditation uh, number of years that, are, that that person has coached. Um, have they moved around a lot? What, what are some of those reasons? And hey, I, I'm guilty as charged. Yeah, me too. Uh, oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, the, the other thing that I believe with the resume is what can this coach offer the organization as a whole? I mean, would he make a, he or he or she make a good mentor for other teams? Um, you know, could this person maybe uh, do some special clinics? It goes beyond just you know, the coaching of a hockey club, but it, it, it should go to the next level. 
and, and, and it's part of giving something back to the organization. I, I believe um, that it shouldn't be just limited to the coaching, but, but what they can offer the organization as a whole. I have an addendum to that. Somebody sends in a resume, should, be, should the association be asking for other content from the coach? Examples, a yearly plan, a segment plan. What's your approach in September versus January? Uh, what are the list of individual tactics? What are, the, what are the key offensive or defensive principles you want to uh, present your team and explain why? You know, that kind of stuff. Should an association be asking for that? Well, if that, that's exactly right. That's what they should be asking. Um, and also what, not only what they can lend to the organization as a whole, but what are they going to do with that particular team? Because as we've seen, it's much more than just what happens on the ice. It's also what happens away from the, uh, the rink. And, and, you know, uh, tournaments, as an example, is a great opportunity to do a lot of bonding. And so, you know, what's your approach at tournaments? Do, do you provide, as we have done, you know, uh, an agenda for that particular weekend mm -hmm. where, you know, everything is basically scheduled, free time, homework time, uh, you know, we're going to have team meetings. Um, now, it's all flexible, you know, but, but uh, you know, at least an outline, you know, what are the curfews? And then what is your backup plan? And then here's, here's another thing that I think where uh, coaches fail. Um, I've been in situations where, you know, you, you've played a good tournament. Maybe you're knocked out by one goal or one point. And so the tournament is essentially over for you, but you have a whole evening and a day. So what are you going to do with these kids? So. You remember the show you did with me on the podcast about the team from hell? Oh, yes. Yeah, we've all had teams like that. Is it a worthwhile question? Do you learn anything about a coach applicant by saying, all right, can you give me an experience that you had in, in coaching that did not go as planned? Why did it not go as planned? What did you do about it? And how do you feel about it now in retrospect? And what would you do differently? What would you do differently? Yes, good. Yes. Um, yes, I think those types of questions would be, um, would be very beneficial. Also, um, it, it may be a prelude to what that team is going to be like. Um, like the team from hell that, I, that I've spoken to you about, I already knew they were going to be difficult. You know, you knew they were going to be a team from hell. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, um, and in the interview process, they, they never asked the question. They, they didn't even bring it up um, because I actually wasn't applying for <laughs> that no, particular team. you were team. asked to take that team, weren't you? I was asked to take it, yeah. And uh, to the listeners out there, don't do it. <laughs> right. Anybody it's, who you think will give you trouble will. But, yeah. but really... It, it, it does come down to when you're, when you're talking about wanting to interview a coach, you ask for a resume, you ask for, as I mentioned, maybe a yearly plan or a segment plan, or, you know, what's your approach to teaching tactics or something. You want to get as much, or this is what I think anyway, I want to know what your thoughts are. I want to get as much information about that coach before the interview as I possibly can. I want my homework to be complete. I want an A plus on my homework that I know this Rick Ladusser guy inside out 
And now when he comes in for the interview, I want to find out, all right, I've never met him. I don't know him. I want to find out what his behavioral approach is with, with, with various issues and see if he fits the, the organization's uh, approach or, or mantra or philosophy. You're right. You're right. And, and to take it a step further, and this is why it's important for the people that are actually on the selection committee or knowledgeable, what you're going to introduce to a peewee double A team versus a Bantam triple A team. And, right. and, you know, you position the questions such that, you know, uh, th this coach that we're interviewing really understands the level that he's, he or she is coaching. And I also think doing your homework on the, on the team, you know, have you seen this team play last year or the year before? Um, you know, th questions like that um, are, are important that, you know, majority of times, I mean, I pretty well knew the team um, that I was inheriting, you know, for the most part. I mean, if, team, if it was a team that I was actually applying for, I had already watched them the year before or, you know, two years prior and saying, you know, well, there's a team that I, and that would be a great question, by the way, I think is, why do you want this particular team? What, what do you see in them or where, where do you think you can bring them to um, as far as the next level? And I often think of oh, the team um, that uh, you helped me with. And we went to the all Ontario and, and everybody would have said, there's no chance that this team would, would get to the final game. And, um, but I had already done my homework on that team prior and I, I saw a lot of potential. And, uh, so, you know, I, I tell, I've, I've told this story to a few people. And I, in fact, I told it to a colleague on, on the board in the area where I am right now, when I was the, uh, the mentor coach or director development or whatever my title was with the Gloucester Rangers program, 20 years ago, we started the program there and, uh, we had interviews for the Bantam triple A team. We did not have an, or the minor Bantam triple A team. I think it was, there was no incumbent. I don't remember what had gone on, but there was no incumbent. A guy, now we, you and I know the geography of Ottawa. The guy who was applying lived in the Carlton Place area. I don't remember if it was exactly Carlton Place, but that's far west and that's beyond Canada where the Ottawa Senators play, for those of you who don't know the geography. On a good evening, it's going to be 45 minutes to an hour, you know, to, to get to the rink. This guy sent in his resume. He had only coached younger kids novice and adam and all he did on his resume was list the championships and tournaments that they had won he came into the interview which was supposed to be 45 minutes long with the 15 minute discussion i don't think the interview lasted more than about 20 minutes i'm going to give you some first names of people you'll know who i mean who are on the committee with me elizabeth luann hank and me so you know exactly who i'm talking about and Elizabeth happened to be, not your wife, Elizabeth, but this Elizabeth happened to be the secretary or administrator who was taking notes. Her job was to take minutes. This guy came in and all we heard about was the, the now we all looked at the resume and that's all he had was, you know, he didn't talk anything about what he was going to teach, what he was going to bring to the program. He just talked about himself, how great he was, and he was going to make this team the number one team in the region, in the whole branch. There was just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So we thanked, after about 20 minutes, I looked around the table. I was asking most of the questions and I looked around the table at the other three and I went, okay, well, thank you very much, uh, whatever your name is. 
and uh, we'll let you know. And it was in a little upstairs room at Gloucester in, in the Armstrong Arena, that little cubby hole upstairs. And uh, the man leaves and the door shuts. And uh, we wait about two or three minutes to make sure he's gone. And Hank gets up to make sure he's gone down the stairs of Armstrong. He's not standing outside the door. I didn't even get a chance to open my mouth. Elizabeth, the secretary, who was taking notes and very quietly sitting through this whole thing. And by the way, for anybody who's listening, her son has played in the NHL. And I think he's in Europe right now, Michael. Um, Elizabeth turns to me and to the other three members of the board sitting there, or two members of the board, and says, over my dead body, does that man ever coach in Gloucester in this organization? It's not happening. And we all looked at each other and went, yep, that's, that pretty much covers it. Thanks. Next, next, who's next? <laughs> you always have to wonder, uh, as a matter of fact, I don't know about your coaching resume, but I, I, I have, I don't even list the fact that I've been to a couple of all Ontario championships. Uh, you have? You know, yeah. Three or four of them and yeah. and finals uh, in, uh, in CJHL. Uh, I don't even list those things like to me um, irrelevant. Um, but I, they are relevant to some people. Yes. But it, some it, people who are, who are task driven, who are performance organizations that are performance driven would look at that. But then you have to ask yourself as a coach applying, do I want to be in an organization? As you said at the, well, as I wrote in the script, um, I don't think I want to be in an organization that that doesn't take itself as seriously or as as efficiently in, in minor hockey as yeah. it should. True. You know? So would you even apply? Would you even apply to a minor hockey association where they say, "Well, tell me about the championships your team has won." You know, uh, well, if that's what you're interested in, then you're not for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Good point. You agree or not? Yes. No, I, I agree. Yeah, I know one guy in Ottawa who would scout teams in the summertime to determine which triple A team he was going to take. His name is John. You and I both know him. Mm -hmm. Um, Nice guy, really good guy, fairly well qualified, does a decent job. But so all he wanted was to check out that. So he, he changed organizations every couple of years for the longest time. Well, we, we, we moved around ourselves, but not for that reason. (laughs) Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Some of it was, we were forced out. <laughs> yeah. In a, in a couple of situations, back to that Nepean <laughs> situation again. Um, how important is it to have questions in an interview that are behavioral based? Like, what can you bring to the team? Describe your coaching style. Uh, what challenges do you see yourself facing with this particular group or age group or level? That kind of stuff. Yeah. You know what? I, I would have, I would say, 20 years ago, that probably wasn't that important, but certainly with the generation that we're dealing with today, I think it's very relevant and uh, you better have a pretty good handle on the whole social media uh, factor. Um, Can tell you that, you know, players 20 years ago, 25 years ago, even wouldn't have said crap as their, their mouth was full of it. Um, the generation that we're dealing with now, it's, um, you know, they say whatever they want. And uh, which is something that I've thought about, you know, in terms of if I was ever to get back into coaching, um, my, my approach 
would have to maybe um, soften. Pardon me. Soften. A little bit, yeah. Um, and and you know you hear it all the time. You know you hear it with NHL coaches that you know many of them cannot use the same tactics they used 20 years ago, even 10 years ago. That uh, the player, uh, for the most part, are making very very good money, um, and they've had to maybe all the torts. Uh, they've had to tone it down um, because, you know, they, they can't get away with the kinds of things that was maybe said in the past. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I think in some cases it's a good thing, but in, in some cases I, I don't necessarily agree that uh, I, I still think you should be able to uh, um, have a, um, a conversation with your players in a room where it stays in the room and it doesn't go outside the room. Um, in terms of motivating players or where, you know, whatever that may be in terms of the message that you're trying to get across. All right, Mr. LaDuker. <laughs> um, minor hockey uh, interview, coaching interviews are very important, somewhat important or marginally important. Big question. Um, they're important. They're important for all the reasons that we mentioned in this, in this uh, discussion that um, you need to make sure that the right people are on the selection committee, uh, that the questions are age appropriate and, and ability uh, appropriate. Uh, so if you're coaching a Bantam A team versus a Bantam AAA team, your questions should not be the same. Um, I think uh, uh, at the higher levels, they, they need to be very technically orientated. Uh, what you're going to teach uh, as a long-term plan, what, you, what, your, what the outcomes are going to be. Uh, and, and again, I'm going to repeat myself, but I think the, the whole um, discussion, part of the discussion needs to be how you're going to handle uh, the generation and the parents that we're talking about. Right, right. I think really that's important uh, to make sure. But but yeah, I, I very much I, I think it's a very important part of the of the process. And, and and the other thing is not wasting people's times, not giving people a coach hope that he actually has a shot at a Bantam Triple A team or a Midget Triple A team where he doesn't have a chance in hell. And and you know, so why not? channel his uh, or her uh, to a team that you think he or she might be good for and, uh, and, and you know, have the person ready when you come in to, to discuss a Bantam AAA team as opposed to a midget AAA team. And, and also just give the, if you're happy with the person that's coaching at that level, just give them the team. Like, you know, why put this big facade that, you know, it's a wide open, uh, it's, it's the candidacy for that particular team is wide open, where, where it's not. Um, and, and, you know, I've been, and I know you have too, been somewhat insulted when you go to a, a coaching interview and you're, you've done, like I, in my case, BAM AAA, had, you know, a fair amount of success. And they're asking you to come back and interview for that same team. Like, why? Why are you, why would you do that? Uh, you know, uh, and you can't turn it down because then you won't get the team. Well, he's so bloody arrogant that he's not even going to show up. 
and how many times does that happen? Right, sure. Coaches where, you know, they are insulted about coming in and having to reapply for yes. a team right. that, um, you know, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. For the, uh, for the sake of uh, the listeners to the show, it's pretty easy to go online and find all kinds of questionnaires from organizations about what, what they ask in, in coaching interviews. But some of them are really long. Like uh, I came across a list of nine questions from one organization, interview questions for coaches. Um, nine questions. Each one would take, you know, why do you want this particular team? Would you work as an assistant or trainer? Well, why would you want this particular team? I could, I could talk about that for five minutes, you know, because I know the players or I, you know, I coached them when they were eight. Now they're 14. Um, you know, so when, if you're going online and picking out these things, Hockey Canada has a really extensive list of questions too. You have to shape them to the time slot you've given. You can't have two-hour interviews. got to be, you know, what, what would you say, 45 minutes tops? 45 minutes. Yeah. We'll leave you 15 minutes at the end to, uh, to throw around, you know, uh, some, some thoughts about the, uh, about the applicant. Rick, thank you very much. No Rick. problem. I think it should be noted that uh, the ODHA back in uh, 1984, 85, were one of the first uh, associations uh, to actually have a coaching interview procedure and questions for organizations. Um, that I, I know we were one of the first to do that. Mm -hmm, so it's kind of mm -hmm. interesting to see it come full circle. So Pretty much everybody's doing it now. The problem is that it's all over the place. Uh, and the number of people on the, on the committees, uh, not really sitting down and thinking it through, you know, what is the most effective time efficient approach to, to interviewing coaches, not just in interviews, but what is, as I mentioned earlier, what is the most efficient way of getting information in their application so that you're not wasting time asking Rick letter, sir, do you have your HP one Rick? And it's on your resume, you know, like, yeah. You don't you shouldn't have to ask that. So, any final words? You're speechless. My my final word would be it's 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 about respecting the person who's taking the time to interview and and uh, and doing their homework and not wasting their time. I, I've left many interviews saying like, what the heck was that about? You know, right? What what were they what were they thinking? Um, uh, they had no intentions of giving me that team. It, it, it's very insulting. It's just time, time that, you know, that's wasted to pretend you're going through the process. Uh, just going through the so motion. You, you can say, well, everybody was given a fair opportunity. Like, Correct. really? Right. All right, Mr. Lauduser, not Lauduker. Thank, thanks again, buddy. And uh, we will be in touch. Okay. Thank you for having okay, me. Take, okay. Take care. Bye-bye.